Good afternoon. Welcome to thatchannel.com. I'm Hildegard Gmeiner, and this is Liquid Lunch. We have an interesting show for you today, and we are beginning today with a discussion about a plant that has been so in the media lately. We are talking about cannabis and how to access it in Ontario. And here to discuss this subject matter with me is Michael McCleary from canahome.ca. Yeah. Welcome, Michael. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So nice to meet you. And it seems to be a topic that is all over town, at least here in Toronto. Oh, yeah. It's, uh... If not all over Ontario or Canada, <laughs> maybe even the U.S. Yeah, I think like right now, it's uh, especially in Canada, it's all over the media. Um, so the Liberals just announced that they were going to be moving forward with a plan for full legalization as of spring uh, 2017. Uh, and a lot of people are wondering what that means for, you know, not just uh, medical patients, but recreational users, that type of thing as well. Now, let's step back a bit. Yeah. What had you interested in this, Michael? Because many people use it recreationally, many Absolutely. for pain issues, from what I understand. I have no experience. I don't know this or yeah. that. So what is, lead us a little bit about who is Michael? How did you get to the subject matter in the first place? Oh, well, um, I've, used it, uh, I've used it recreationally when I was a teenager and well into my 20s. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, experimented with it a little bit. Um, you know, probably used it for the wrong reasons. Uh, as I got into my 20s and 30s, I didn't use it uh, really much at all. Uh, you know, it would be the odd time that uh, I would come in contact with it. Um, then in February 2011, I was involved in a violent incident at work, uh, which basically left me, um, I was stabbed seven times. At work? At work. Uh, yeah, so I, I did what I thought a brave guy should do, and that is... Two days later, I was back at work. I was in the exact same place. I was surrounded by the same people. Uh, and I really just kind of put myself right back into the situation. With um, the people who stabbed you? No, no, not with the people that stabbed me, but with the people that were all around at the time. When the stabbing exactly. happened. Exactly. I had co-workers there. I had clients there. It was pretty crazy. Um, you know, unfortunately, what I thought I was doing just, you know, putting a brave face forward uh, eventually turned out um, to affect me negatively. Uh, so shortly after that, I was diagnosed with uh, PTSD. So PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. So for those who don't know, that can, um, there's a wide range of symptoms. It can be anything from, you know, anxiety, uh, social anxiety, not, you know, not wanting to be in certain areas or around certain people. There can be different triggers for that. It can be depression, uh, insomnia, bad dreams, that type of thing. So at this point, I really wasn't using marijuana all that much. And in the time from when the incident happened uh, to it was probably about a week or two weeks after that, I hadn't slept at all. Um, so it was usually, for me, um, the situation would always sort of arise at night, um, kind of that period just as you're going to sleep, but before you've gotten to sleep, I would never actually cross that bridge, because uh, that's when your mind is the most active, and you start, you know, reliving things, uh, you know, asking, you know, silly questions and whatnot. 
what would actually happen just because some people might be able to relate to that? Do yeah. you rehash the very same incident? Absolutely. What goes on Absolutely. in your mind? So, and again, you know, that's, uh, I'm no expert on psychology or anything like that, but for me, it was, yeah, it was a lot of reliving the experience uh, just as I was falling asleep. Uh, lots of bad dreams. Uh, I'd get to sleep and then be reliving the, the situation. Um, then in my daytime hours, I was either spending time giving police reports or going to court or doing that or actually being in the environment where it happened. Mm-hmm. Right? Having to so, go back to work. To yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so about two weeks after that, um, I... Uh, I can't even remember what the situation was. I think I was watching a UFC fight with some friends, and a joint was being passed around. And I slept the best that I'd ever slept in my life. And that uh, was at night in the evening? Exactly. Okay. Uh, so that uh, the next day, I woke up refreshed. I felt fantastic. And like anything, whether it's um, you know due to a... Uh, like a, an emotional situation or, you know, because you're a new parent or something like that, if someone doesn't get sleep, right, that affects everything else, right? It's a domino effect. Um, you can't perform at work. You can't concentrate. You have trouble interacting. Uh, you withdraw because if you don't feel like you've got enough energy to go out, um, you end up staying in, but you don't really do anything, so you kind of hermitize yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, Leading then to yeah. the social isolation you meant. Oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And then, um, uh, so the next day, I felt fantastic. I felt refreshed, wonderful, uh, everything, you know, like the world was sparkling again. It wasn't a scary place for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I immediately uh, called up my friend and was like, hey, man, I got to get a little bit of that. <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, so I did that and in the meantime I started doing a lot of personal research and so this was in February March 2011 and it was around the same time that studies were starting to be done with marijuana and uh, military based PTSD so people coming back from tours of duty who were having the same type of situation where basically uh, something traumatic or violent had been imprinted on them Uh, and they were having problems letting it go. Uh, And so what I was reading was fascinating, Uh, and it started driving more and more personal research. Uh, You know, and it was not just marijuana is a cure-all, which a lot of people would love to uh, say, but it was marijuana has certain benefits for certain things. Um, And with PTSD, it had shown uh, certain strains, of course, um, because, again, it's not an across-the-board, every strain is good for everything, but certain strains would be great for anxiety, for depression. There are other strains that are better for sleeping. Uh, And then one of the great side effects uh, for me was that it... um, I I wouldn't be remembering as many dreams in the morning. Right, so there was like a little bit of a release there, um, which does tend to distance you from what what the actual um, incident was, right? Right. So where did your friend then initially? Uh, what was the source of this uh, marijuana then? Oh, it was completely street marijuana. Was that oh yeah, street absolutely, then? absolutely. <laughs> and okay. this is kind of what um, so. 
But you do, so you don't really know what you're getting, right? Exactly. You've got to trust somebody to give you something that's going to help you. But there's really no rules or regulation or totally. where you can check out what's really in it. Exactly. And so two weeks later, I went to get a refill. And I uh, went to my friend, and he had, uh, he had a different strain this time, which did the exact opposite of what the strain he gave me the first time did. So it was more of a sativa, which can uh, actually agitate things like um, anxiety, that type of thing. It can oh, so cause... it made the opposite. It made you nervous instead of calm? Absolutely. So after the first night where I had that, I was like, all right, what's up with this? And that's where I started to do a little bit more research on uh, strain specifics and um, you know the differences between indica, sativas, that type of thing. And then I really started to research the medical side of things. So I had known that Canada had a medical marijuana program, um, but it wasn't a very well-publicized medical marijuana program. And at the time, uh, it was going through a little bit of a reform. So there was something called the MMAR, which uh, up to 2014, they were issuing licenses for uh, using, uh, growing your own and using, and then um, you could have a a designated license grower. So if I lived in an apartment where I couldn't grow, um, but had a friend who had land, they could be a designated grower. And they would get a license from the province, so to speak, to do so. Absolutely. And then Uh, that would be dispensed how? You would have to drive to where the grower is? uh, Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that was the old system, and at the time it was being reformed by the conservative government to the MMPR program which was a lot more restrictive, um, and it was essentially uh, the MMPR program. You have uh, 25 to 30 licensed producers. These are large-scale grow ops uh, that are approved by Health Canada and the government, and patients, once they obtain a prescription, they are registered with a licensed producer, they order their medicine online, and it comes secured shipping via Canada Post or another courier. Right, so that's the legal way of doing it, which has like really great, uh, some really great benefits to it. Um, one of the things that I really like about it is the um, is the ability to pick strains and to be able to choose potency. Right. And so, how does the consumer know? Like, this is I want to come up. So, what is Kana Home all about? Are you like an education center? Yeah. And what, what is it that you do for people? Well, so we help educate, right? So uh, what we do, it's, uh, it's really twofold. So number one, when people are actually looking for a medical marijuana prescription, um, I help connect them to the doctors that will do that. So big problem in you know, I was going to say Canadian medicine, but I think it's medicine all around, is that there's no real continuing education for doctors who are already practicing. When a new law or a new medicine or a new discovery is made, there's not, Health Canada doesn't send out a group email saying, guess what, we found out that marijuana is helpful for this, you should all start um, educating yourself on it. So what happens is new discoveries tend to be absorbed by the new guard and ignored by the old guard. Um... So when the marijuana program started, um, you know, more and more people were, had found out about it but wanted to know how to do it, they were initially faced with roadblocks. Uh, talking to their doctor, the doctor said, no, it's all hocus-pocus or it's hippie science or hippie logic um, and it's not a real medicine. Um, so 
over the last few years, there have been some fantastic doctors out there who have gone out of their way to educate themselves, who have gone out of their way to learn about this and to have really put themselves on the line and said, you know what, I see this as a viable medicine and I don't care what my peers think, in the right condition, I'm going to prescribe this, right? And um, in the beginning, it took a long time for me to find a doctor uh, that was willing to prescribe. Uh, and so I had a healthcare system that either wanted to put me on pharmaceuticals that were that would dull my senses and dull my personality and make me not the me that I wanted to be, or I had to result to uh, breaking the law, and I didn't want to do that, right? So um, I was persistent, uh, you know, and for me it was a simple thing where a clinic opened up on the Danforth as things started to open up and that's where um, I first got my first taste of the medical marijuana system um, which was really a lifesaver for me. Um, so would this be people then where you for instance could go and say hey I had this last time this time I purchased this and it resolved into me not sleeping it made me more hyper yeah. it didn't help me so then they would explain to you what is different in this particular strain? Yes. So, so first off, what happened was there was... Uh, so first the clinic was just simply there to get you in contact with the doctor to prescribe. Mm -hmm. They did have some personnel there that helped educate. Um, but the MMPR system was, you know... It was created by the conservative government who uh, put it in place uh, reluctantly. Um, the Supreme Court basically said, we agree that marijuana is medicine and that you should make it available. The conservatives said, we are going to make that as difficult as possible. So that's why there was the change from AR to PR. Um, one of the strangest things that they did in the very beginning was tell the licensed producers who were selling the medicine that you, because it hasn't been proven in a laboratory, you can't tell people what different strains are good for. So you'd go online and you'd be faced with, you know, 12 to 15 different selections, different potencies, different strains, different names. And it was illegal for the licensed producers to tell you what they were good for. So in the very beginning, there was a little bit of like experimentation. So me at the time, still just a patient, can home, not even a thought yet. It w I started to keep track Right. And that was one of the things that the clinic had me do. So, you know, this strain makes me feel this way. This strain makes me feel that way. Um, you know, w uh, if I mix these two things, what's the result? Uh, and that was, you know, for me, it was uh, it was educational. Um, it was, you know, I learned a lot of t uh, a lot of things. And, you know, the learning process was fun. Um, I ended up meeting up with people who were doing the same thing, who thought that this rule that, you know, they can't tell you what it's good for is ridiculous. Let's start, you know, doing what we do. So, so you um, kind of did your own research and yeah. analysis. If you were experiencing it, you have actually some oh, exactly. or other people's experience to compare it to. Yeah, and so now yeah. we've got, uh, like... Um, you know, I, I'll produce uh, strain review videos for different L, uh, LPs. Uh -huh. uh, so, you know, this strain is super lemon haze and it's good for this and you can expect this, this and this. So that way there are people who are going into the system a with a whole lot more information than I had going in. 
right? So is Which this is what your main, um, you're focusing on mainly now at Kana House? Or uh, are you also selling? Are you a vendor? No. So, uh, yeah, so what we're doing, uh, number one, it's connecting people to doctors. Uh, making sure that that connection takes place, that if they need the help and they can't find a prescription, they can get a prescription so, so that they can legally get into the system. Mm -hmm. um, and then number two, it's education. So when most people think of marijuana, they think of smoking a joint or smoking a pipe. Or I know with, um, you know, I've had uh, family members, if I put you know, some marijuana in their hand, they wouldn't know the first thing what to do with it. Well, and it's not just about smoking. Absolutely. You know, you can eat it, people do all sorts of it, you're vaping it. Exactly. How do you know there is a cookie on the table that is not for the two-year-old and it's for dad? And how do you yeah. explain to your children why are you having these things they might have heard in school that totally. drugs are not cool? Well, uh, there seem to be all sorts of challenges that absolutely. we are suddenly faced with if somebody were to choose something like that to help them with their medical totally. condition. And education, and that's something else that we do, education is huge, especially for uh, households that do have, you know, small children or uh, pets, even, you know, pets in there who might be curious or that type of thing. Um, so this is one of the things that was great about the MMPR program is that, you know, Health Canada did put in a list of guidelines on safe storage, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things that I like to enforce is, again, safe storage, right? Make sure that, you know, just like anything that you don't want your kids to... Any medicine would exactly. not float around in the kitchen, right? Totally. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It's not to be, you know, pulled out and had in the rec room in front of the kids, there shouldn't be a normalization of it. Mm -hmm. It's still medicine, right? So one of the, um, you know, so what, one of the uh, uh, comparisons that I like to make um, with it, uh, so so many people make the comparison with alcohol. Um, I'll make the comparison with something, you know, more medical, like, say, um, insulin, right? Someone with diabetes. A uh, lot of people in my family have diabetes, and when they, you know, when I'm going out to the restaurant with my mom and she has to check her blood level and she finds out that, okay, I, she has to take a needle, she will get up and excuse herself. She'll go to the washroom or she may do it in the car before she goes. She doesn't sit there at the table uh, doing that and normalizing it for everyone around, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's kind of one of the challenges that medical marijuana users have because... There's really kind of like two camps. There are the people that say, you know, we're cannabis, medical cannabis users. We should be allowed to use our medicine anywhere. And then there's the more conservative camp saying that I think there's an appropriate time and place to use my medicine. Where, right? where do you stand on that? Oh, I'm definitely of the appropriate time and place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If we're going to be, um, you know, in a recreational society, I think there's definitely places for like vapor lounges and things like that. Um, in a medical society, you know, I, I don't see social clubs for diabetics, right? right? I, I, I don't see, uh, you know, like insulin lounges, right? Um, so, you know, like if you're talking about this as a medicine, no, there, it's all about responsible use. So, um, you know, there, if you're an adult with, uh, with kids at home, um, you're not smoking a joint in front of them. You may have a designated room with the proper ventilation where you vaporize and there isn't smell. 
um, or when the kids are around, you'll take it orally. Who are your clients? Who are the people using, uh, reaching to marijuana for help? I, my clients Is there like are, an age group? One might think, oh, these are just students or young people. No, you know what? Um, and this has been the most surprising thing for me. My, my clients are really from all walks of life. Um, the majority of my clients, I would say, are uh, 50-plus years. Mm -hmm. um, may have used it recreationally in the past, but it could have been 10, 15, 20 years since. And now they are being faced with certain conditions or medical problems that they're finding that this can help, and it's a nice alternative to taking a pharmaceutical that may uh, interact poorly with your biology, mm -hmm. right? Um, again, cannabis is a natural medicine, so there are very few side effects, um, if any at all. Um, so it, it makes it a much, safer, uh, a much safer alternative. So a lot of my clients are... You know, folks who are older who may have some medical conditions now and are wanting to re-explore it but don't really know where to start right. and then are just confused with the, you know, strain selection out there and where do I go? My doctor says no, so what, what's the choice now? Um, and then, you know, helping them through that. That is very, very interesting because, as I said, like when you first said, I wanted to ask you something, where you said, well, I didn't use it. I don't know what you actually said. Uh, I probably used it for the wrong reasons when you were younger. Yeah. What did you mean by that? Um, because looking at somebody who's over 50 here, myself, yeah. I had a, well, Moana is just some of these things young kids do. And totally. when I initially heard about it, I was not necessarily as open as I would have admitted to be you know yeah and you're thinking is that for real like i know hemp the plant itself exactly the essential fatty acids that helps the brain and a lot of these uh, fibers are good for us you Absolutely. buy it in the health food store and i could never understand what's a big deal in the first place totally But what made you say well you use it for the wrong reason can you use it the wrong way so oh, that it's actually harmful as well um yeah for sure uh i think like anything you can use it too much uh and i think it's something that's a It should be used as a tool, not a crutch. Mm -hmm. um, but when I said uh, probably used it for the wrong reasons, you know, and, and I think this is where, whether it's legalization or used medically, this is kind of where like an age majority and everything kind of comes in, where there's a maturity that should be uh, had if you're going to be using something that might alter your state. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, certainly I, uh, like, like, Most people going through their teens, um, when I say doing something for the wrong reason, I smoked cigarettes to be cool, I drank beer, right. didn't like the flavor, um, I smoked a joint because it was handed to me. Um, but, uh, you know, and I find, you know, I, and this, uh, I know there are folks out there who say legalize everything and there should be no age majority and that type of thing, but studies have shown that THC is harmful on a developing brain and THC is the main psychoactive component in cannabis. So even the um, Ontario College of Physicians have suggested that unless all other uh, treatments have been tried, that it shouldn't be prescribed to people under 25, mm -hmm. right, uh, because of that. So, um, you know... It should not? It should not. It should not be. It yeah. should not. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, when, when I was in my teens, I think like most teens, you can almost turn anything into a recreational drug. Well, and I mean, being yeah. a teenager is exploring the whole plethora of exactly. experiences you could have on this planet in this body, exactly. right? Exactly, totally. And, yeah. and you know, because I, I kind of take a look at, um, 
I would think the majority of folks under, and I know our you know, age for drinking in Canada is 19. Um, I think the majority of folks under 25 may be using it for the wrong reason. They're using it to, um, you know, like for fun, for an escape, for, uh, you know, for reasons that aren't benefiting them. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a pastime to help pass the time quicker out of boredom, some people would Yeah, or maybe that. just struggling with the process of growing up into exactly. a mature human being. You know? Exactly, whereas actually going out there and being awkward and having these awkward you know, um, interactions with other people and making mistakes and being embarrassed, that's part of growing up that makes you a responsible right. person. Where I think, um, you know, what I would really like to see with the media and everything like that, when they start looking at you know, cannabis users and cannabis users as a whole stop, you know, shining the light so much on the 18 to 25 year olds who, let's face it, can turn anything into a party drug. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, these days kids will pour cough syrup into cocktails, right? Um, I think it's better to take a look at the, you know, over 30 sect, and which is a much, much larger uh, group anyhow, right? 30 to say 65, 30 So that to is 70. the real user community. Exactly. And I think those are people who are using it responsibly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a huge fan of like saying recreationally, uh, because I do think that, you know, when I think of a recreational drug, like if it's alcohol or something else, I'm thinking, you know, house party or disco and lights and 3 a.m. and everything like that, I think people who even use cannabis non-medicinally, like non-medicinally because, you know, in that they're not treating a specific thing, they're still um, using it responsibly. And Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a a party drug so much as something that um, really can, you know, help enhance. uh, And it can actually work a little bit as a, a supplement. Right. Um, you know, in the sense that uh, what they are finding with it and why it's working on such a wide range of things is how it interacts with our own endocannabinoid system, right? And uh, so we produce cannabinoids in our body that govern everything from digestion to inflammation, pain, stress reaction, um, anxiety. And these cannabinoids can be found in a lot of things, papaya, the echinacea plant, um, you know, uh, just to name a two. I can't think of a third. Um. Yeah, but it's part of a right variety of exactly. food sources that is available to us. Totally. So. And so just as I think, uh, you know, there could be uh, certain times when a person may crave a certain kind of food, right? right? It's because they have a vitamin C deficiency or an mm-hmm. iron deficiency. Mm-hmm. They don't know why they're craving this, but they're craving this. Um, I think there are deficiencies in the endocannabinoid system, and this is can be well. A I mean, this has been discussed in many venues from different perspectives. Absolutely. that our food supply is lacking vital nutrients, mm-hmm. and a lot of our challenges that we have. Let's not label it illnesses right away, but That's may right. ultimately lead to an illness is due to deficiency in nutrients exactly. that are in our food that is available. Exactly. Do you have any? parting message for maybe a specific age group or is there something <laughs> that you have happening in your business that you think you like to invite people to come and check out? Well, We have a couple of minutes left on the clock here. Awesome. It's been really uh, nice to talk about this uh, Yeah, and I really, uh, I really appreciate it. I think, um, you know, one of the things that I'd like to stress is that although legalization is coming, it's not here yet. 
and um, you know we do have to respect the laws that are in place. Uh, it is available to those who need it on a medical basis. Uh, and really, if you want, you know, the best access to the best medicine that's been tested for mold, spores, potency, that type of thing, it's best to go into the uh, proper MMPR program versus going through other channels. So any store that may open down the street where people live may not be officially yeah. sanctioned? So, so yeah, 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 this is... Yeah, and, and this is something that's like a lot of people in Toronto are probably uh, wondering about is the proliferation of uh, dispensaries. Yeah, they're popping up all over the place. Yeah, it's the new Starbucks. They are right. absolutely everywhere. And I think at last count, um, there are over 40 in Toronto. And what a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, number one, all dispensaries, good, bad or ugly, are all illegal uh, in Ontario. So the storefront dispensaries are operating outside the law. Um, the, um, and when we look at them, there's actually two camps of dispensaries. Um, there are the ones who are operating outside the law but are selling to those who only have their federal license or prescription uh, that are checking up with, you know, uh, confirming doctor's documents and di diagnoses and making sure that they're simply supplying uh, approved patients. And then there is the larger group of them that are doing everything from taking letters of diagnosis to having their own holistic doctors on site uh, to just charging a membership fee. And that I find, you know, I'm, I'm a cannabis a uh, advocate and activist. And when I see lineups of teenagers outside of dispensaries that don't require prescriptions, that bothers me. Um, that is not the vision of legalization that the liberals have. That's not the vision of legalization that anyone should have. Um, you know, legalization's coming. Recreation's coming. Uh, if you're already over an age of majority, you just simply have to wait till, um, you know, till 2017. Uh, if you are, you know, like 18 years old and you want to try it, well, when you're 13, you want to drive. And when you learn to drive, then you want to try your first beer. And, you know, like, Christmas always comes. Right. right? So just be exactly, patient. Exactly. Be patient, and get informed. Totally. And hook yourself up with something legal. Exactly. So that if something may go haywire, totally. you have actually somebody to hold to account And as at well. the end of the day, we have a very robust medical marijuana system that if you need it, it is available for you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us this morning, awesome. Michael. How can people get in touch with you and maybe also give us your website one more time and we'll put it uh, on the Yeah, be uh, best way to get uh, in touch with me is on the website, so uh, www.canahome.ca. Great. Thanks so much for being with us, Michael. Awesome. My Hope pleasure. Hope to connect soon. And stay with us. We're just taking a short break. We'll be back in five. Huge savings on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000-square-foot showroom is Court-certified, guaranteed, and in stock, ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chantilly Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off.